we're back. This is Jonathan Katz, the guy who likes to say, Hey, we're back. I don't get it either. Today's special guest is Kevin Nealon, but before I get to him, I'm late for a therapy appointment with Dr. Liebman. So, Jonathan, uh, last week we were talking about your relationship between sleep, marriage, and your sex slave, Veronica. Yeah, that's true, but but I think... I think we need to move on from that. I mean, I think there's stuff there to explore, but I think I'd, I'd rather, I, I think I'd rather talk about my childhood. I think that's, that's really valuable. Um, Jonathan, it's come to my attention that, or through the grapevine, that you've been seeing another therapist as well. Is that, is that no, that, accurate? Is, that is total nonsense. I would never, I would never do that without you. Would be the first to know. Believe me. It came from a, a reputable source, and it was very disturbing when I heard it, especially because I heard who it was. Uh, so I'm pleased that you're denying it, even if it. Yeah. No, no, I'm telling you the truth. I would never do that. I, no, I think that that even though it's uh, it seems difficult at the moment, I think that th- these sessions are are important to me. My work with you, I think we've enco- accomplished a great deal over the years, and I hope we'll we'll continue to to do this. I don't even know your middle name. It's Paul. My middle. What? What? Do you have a Paul. middle name? I do. Do you want to know it, or do you want to talk about why you might want to know my middle name? I'd rather know it, and then it's we can Ellen. talk about why it's important. Wendy, oh, I don't. Even, I can't. I'm. A, I don't know why I'm assuming your first name is Wendy. Am I right about that? When Wendy Liebman, Doctor. Well, let's stick with. Well, that. you have written many checks to me over the years. So I'm not sure if you're having a senior moment, if it's one of those things where you just are blocking me out. Of course it's Wendy. So when Am I judging you right now? Jonathan Paul Katz. Yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think I can answer that question if you're if in fact you're judging me. I think that's a question only you can answer. But I'll take a crack at it. You do this I a lot. Yes, you you def- you deflect, you project, you do all the X. Uh, <laughs> do you and your wife have monogrammed towels by any chance? No, we don't. We we don't use towels anymore. Since COVID? Yeah, well, but we well we started using plants. We have a plant based household. Um, our diet and the towels we use are made of plants. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I remember that you went vegetarian. You you yeah. went vegetarian, and I have noticed that you're a lot since you've gone vegetarian, Jonathan. You are a lot 
more um, gassy. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Um, you know, my wife is a is a all out vegan, and I am a lapsed vegan. I stray. Meaning, I can't do it. Um, what is it that you miss? Uh, meat. Meat. How about being vegetarian between meals? No meat snacks. Oh, that's not a bad idea. I'm going to float that. Do you find that you and your wife fight over vegan? Is it vegan or vegan? Hungry. Uh, Do you and your wife fight over food? No, we don't. We don't. Um, You mean like compete for the last piece of something? Not necessarily. How old were you? No, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you questions. Um, you can ask me a question. Well, I just. Uh, what is it that you uh, want to know? Or no, I was, was going to ask be you about your experience in therapy. I realize it's none of my business and it's not how this works. Um, I mean, I am not even sure that I've ever been in therapy. Jonathan, what is it that you remember the most about being little? What's your earliest memory from your childhood? I think that that it was being bullied a lot. I was a very little kid, and this this my best friend who I was talking about earlier used to hold me over the subway tracks until the train came, and he pulled me in at the last minute. There was, I had another friend named Stanley Jasney who used to use my coat as his handkerchief. Um, I, I, Ew. Yeah. I think – and also my, my relationship with my sister as, a, as kids was good. Um, and over the years, that's changed so dramatically. Um, Did I ever tell you about my sister? No. We invented – Oreo cookie ice cream when we were three and five. But enough about me. Um, Wait a second. How how old is your sister? So your sister is a couple of years younger than you? Older. I'm the youngest, like you. Right. According to my notes. What is it about your sister and Stanley that... Wait, is Stanley another imaginary friend, or is this? No, Stanley was Stanley was a real kid. He was a little kid like me, but he still bullied me. Did you bully somebody else in turn? Oh, geez, I forgot about Andy Mayer. Uh, I was so mean to this kid. I, 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 I forgot all about him, but he was—he had some kind of um, disability. He would walk with a limp. And I would challenge him to all kinds of sports games because I knew I could beat him. Um, and how did that make you feel? It made me feel good. It made him feel awful. I, I don't feel good. Are you friends with him? No, no, no. This is I haven't had no contact with him since we were kids. Not even on Facebook. But, no, no. LinkedIn. But nope. Threads. No. Nope. Twitter. MySpace. 
Nope. Phony phone calls? No. What was your first tweet? Uh, This is not about me, Jonathan. No, no. I I think one of my first, one of my first tweets was, was having a pseudo intellectual property lawyer. Go on. Uh, I mean, I have so many friends who are intellectuals and I'm not quite there and I don't know if I'll ever be there, but I think I'm very comfortable with the pseudo intellectual thing. Like, I'm not literate. I'm trying to understand you. Well, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. A, I have friends who are literate who read a lot of books, who know history, who know the American history, world history. They know geography. I know none of those things. It would help if you watch Jeopardy. I'm Jonathan Katz, and thank you for listening to Hey We're Back. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and you can get direct links and more information at jonathancats.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share. And I appreciate your support. Today's special guest is Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon is an actor, a comedian, who you may know as one of the stars of Saturday Night Live. He also was the star of a series called Weeds on Showtime, which ran for eight seasons, and more recently has a book of caricatures, which we'll get to talk about later. He also has a podcast of his own, which involves hiking. Um, do you know about that, Laura? Oh, uh, you know, I do know about that. Yeah. I did know about that because I, I read his Wikipedia page this morning. <laughs> you didn't have to do <laughs> to, that. To prepare. Oh. Oh, I learned all kinds of things. Yeah. Forgot most of them. From Bridgeport, Connecticut? Yes. Lived in Germany for four years as a child. Suspicious. But okay. <laughs> How about we bring him in? Thanks for introducing me, by the way, Jonathan. Appreciated that. And my co and my co-host, Laura Silverman. Oh, who, me? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Perhaps the, the shyest woman in show business. I used to be so shy. Really? Is that true? Now you can't shut me up. Yeah, I overcame my shyness. And here he is, Kevin Nealon. Hi, Kevin. Hey guys, it's what a pleasure it is to be on your show. You know, I grew up watching this show and listening to it, and um, always been a big fan. First time caller. <laughs> hey, did, did you? You guys must have met. Did you come to Boston to do Doctor Katz, Kevin? No. 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 I think. I mean, I met Kevin years ago. I think on SNL when he was on SNL. Maybe I'm sure he doesn't remember me. Um, hanging out with Sarah sometimes during. When they would write jokes for the news, they would let me just be there. What do you take from that whole experience, Laura? It was amazing. I would be sitting there trying to think of jokes myself, you know, even though I wasn't a writer. But it's just like, you, you just, it was it's such a cool environment. Yeah, it was a lot of fun doing that. It was, uh, it was stressful because nobody, um, 
wanted to write weekend update jokes because it wasn't a glorifying position. So it was hard to get writers to come on that, uh, to write on Saturday morning. So, Right, like they wanted to do characters themselves. They didn't want to write jokes for you. Well, the cast wanted their own characters, but the writers, they wanted to write sketches and stuff. So the only writers that would come up on Saturday morning, and you had to do a Saturday morning because all the late night talk shows had already covered all, everything that was happening currently. Yes, I remember that. Newspapers all over the table. Yeah, but AP photos. This was back in the 1900s. So, you know, there was. <laughs> so, um, so Lauren Michaels, the creator of the show, tried to entice the writers to come up by putting out a warm uh, breakfast buffet. And, you know, of course, the newspapers. And the people that would come to write jokes were Al Franken and uh, Tom Davis, who I'm not sure what he was doing. <laughs> and the new writer, because, yeah, because, I mean, Sarah would always be there with bells on, you know, and I would sometimes be with her. I don't think I was supposed to be. And and I remember Al Franken and the newspapers. And Norm MacDonald, would come and he just came up there to have breakfast and read a paper. <laughs> I like the honesty of that, though. Yeah, so... um I'm glad you got a chance to experience that and um, hang out for a little bit. Same with Sarah. Yeah, it was really cool. Like it's, you know, I I don't remember a lot of my life, but I remember that. So, you know, made an impression. It was so cool. Mm. Just so cool. A friend of mine named Ellen, Ellen Lewis is a casting director. She used to go to the tapings of, of the show. Yeah. Never invited me. Uh-huh. Oh, did you ask her? No. Sometimes you got to ask people. Otherwise, they don't know you're interested. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, you know, I, I'm a big fan of your hiking podcast. Uh, this, uh, For those of you who don't know, Kevin Nealon has a, a show he does in the hills of, uh, of L.A., and he goes hiking with a special guest. Um, I think most recently I saw you with, with Dana Friedman, who was having a hard time keeping up with you. Yeah. Uh, not Dana Friedman. I'm sorry, Dana, Dana Carvey. Oh. <laughs> um, Dana Carvey. And I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if there's a chance I could do your show without any hiking involved. Someone like Steve Martin. Uh, I asked him, and he wanted to know if we could just walk around the streets of Beverly Hills. And then I thought, well, maybe I could bushes behind him you know like we're out in the woods right you could do maybe a green screen version with jonathan a web series yes on youtube and you film it yourself with a selfie stick and a drone i have a drone i have a selfie stick with a gopro at the end and then i have a how can you how can you like maneuver the drone and walk up a hill and have a conversation that's amazing. It's all it's all like a system I have. I, I do the interview with a selfie stick, and then occasionally I'll stop, and I'll put up the bird, as I call it, and I'll get some B-roll. Uh, that okay. sounds so That's, ambitious. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, um, Kevin, this is unlike me. You, like, like you actually enjoy the outdoors, and, and you occasionally do do things you challenge yourself athletically and um i, I heard that um a friend of yours 
I'm laughing because Kevin just yawned so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I I heard that a friend of yours challenged you to go surfing, and you finally gave in, and you tried surfing, and you hit a deer. It hit a deer. Never know what you're going to run into. Waves and in Malibu. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a, a big surfer. Um, although I still have a longboard, a Stuart longboard in my garage, hanging on the ceiling. Because one day I think maybe I'll try it again. And the longboard is, you know, maybe it's like standing on a boat. You know, if you can't do it on a longboard, right? You really shouldn't be doing it. But I did have mm. a pair once where I did get caught under some waves. Scary, yeah. Yeah. Cause you can't cause cause you can't breathe underwater. Well I was is what I found. I was wearing scuba gear. <laughs> Did have that. Scuba gear? <laughs> that might have thrown you <laughs> off balance. That's why it was so difficult for me to uh to surf. Clippers help. <laughs> you know, um Dana Friedman who produces this podcast, she she refers to me as boss. Yeah. But I think you, I've heard you come sort of perplexed when people refer to you as boss. Sure. I'm confused when people call me boss because I started thinking maybe I own a company and this is my employee. And if he or she is my employee, why aren't they working? Why are they just standing around chatting? And then I start thinking of why we have to fire this person. <laughs> Laura, was, was there anything that you wanted to ask Kevin that you haven't asked uh... him already? I did have something to ask Kevin. Let's see. Um, oh, well, I was just, um, I was wondering, um, what is the worst interview question you've ever been asked? And is it this one? And this comes pretty close to the top. Pretty close, right? Yeah, because I first. I was, one time I was, a uh, I was, I was interviewing for a job and, and the person asked me what I thought my biggest weakness was. And I said, I thought about it. And I said, I think I'm too honest. And they said, well, I don't really see that as a weakness. And I said, I don't give a fuck what you think. And what did they say? Uh, they said uh, said it was nice to meet you. <laughs> That's the funniest joke I've heard in a long time. Oh, thank you. It's a great joke. You guys drink caffeine at all? I do. I have one cup in the morning, and then I try to drink a second cup, and I can't. I can't get it down. Have you tried like intravenous? I mean, I've tried. I've tried. Um, yeah, I've tried all kinds of ways. In the intranasal. I take nothing intravenously, including the Lord's name. Oh, right, because you know, can't take it in the vein. <laughs> right. Hey, Kevin, I have a question for you. It, I heard through the grapevine that, that you may have started a rumor about Woody Allen having a stroke. Well, what happened? Can you, um, I was listening to a, an Audible book of his, and I was really curious to hear what he sounded like. Oh, who who is this that we're talking about? Woody Allen. Woody Allen. And he sounded very old, and he sounded like he had a stroke. And I'm asking everybody, did Woody Allen have a stroke? I don't know. Did Woody, Woody Allen have a, I don't know. I even played a, 
um, for my doctor. Yeah, he's definitely had some kind of a neurological event. So I'm telling everybody, yeah, yeah, Woody Allen had a stroke. Then I come to find out that I've been playing the book at two times slower the speed. I didn't know they had different settings on there, but I still felt that Woody Allen had a stroke. You got to stick with that story. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, I don't like to judge people or, you know, search out flaws. So I just try to stay, uh, you know, try to stay steady and uh, mind my own business. But it's hard sometimes. I know that, Laura, you probably kind of, you know, are interested in the tabloids and, you know, page six, all that stuff, trying to figure out, you know, who's doing worse than you. Sure. Kevin, I have no idea. Yeah. No. Yeah, I used to. I Now I don't know who anybody is anymore. I, I think I've aged out of the tabloids. I just, it used to be I, fun. And now I'm just like, who are they and why do I care? I'm an old lady. I'm just like, who are they and why do I care? Put on my stories. If you got those, uh, like uh, the drama log and, you know, all those Hollywood magazines. Why do I want to read about people that are doing better than me? Yeah, I mean it is. Well, it's, it is a little painful. The trades they call them. The trades, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. Literally. You never. Yeah, you never hear about, You never hear about a dentist who has a lot of heat. <laughs> you know what I hear a lot about recently: uh, comedians blowing up. <laughs> Get picked up by a club manager. Hey, did you hear about so and so? Oh yeah, he blew up on the internet. Uh, so and so blew up. Yeah, he's got his podcast now. He just blew up. You know who's blowing up? Ted Regent sound. He's blowing up, man. Oh yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Kevin. I know that when you drive from place to place, you probably use some kind of uh, a GPS help, either either Waze or maybe Google Maps to find your destination. Laura and I have started a business, and the reason it's different than other companies is that we stay on the phone with you the entire time. Yeah, sort there's of like a, personal a personal touch. Yeah. Personal touch. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering, just, you know, if you'd be willing to uh, pretend that you are our second customer, is that something you'd be willing yeah. to try to, to ask for our help in, in finding your yeah, it's called you can get there from here. Right. But you could you can re- refer to us okay. as Laura and Jonathan. Personal touch. Okay, Laura yeah. and uh and uh Jonathan, I have got to get over to the Pacific Palisades by uh eleven o'clock. Oh. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure where that is. I've heard of it. Let me let me Google it <laughs> real quick. Let me look at the map uh, on my phone. Are you in a hurry? Uh, I kind of look at because sometimes we just like to chat a little bit first. <laughs> Get to know you. <laughs> yeah. Why Pacific Palisades, Kevin? Can I ask, or is that too personal? Dental appointment. Oh, dental appointment. Oh, it's you know so important to take care of your teeth. You know, my dad always used to say, be true to your teeth and they won't be false to you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
Oh. Well, it was funny the first 8,000 times he said it. Then the next 8,000, not funny. And then after that, funny again. Yeah. That's how comedy works. It's funny, but it's really funny. With uh, comedy okay, Kevin. Me. So it says here that you're going to want to get onto the highway. Do you see any signs for the highway near you? We have highways here. They're freeways. Freeways, right? The interstate. Did you know they have interstates in Hawaii? No. They really do. That's not even a joke. They call it the interstate. Hey, hey, Lori, we need to focus on this because he has a deadline. He's got a dental appointment, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to map quest it. If you can get me the info, I will map quest it and print it out. Um, uh, yeah, Kevin, and if you're then uncomfortable, I'll just give you the step by step as we go. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I have five minutes to get to my dental appointment. Five minutes. Jesus. Jeez. That all the way up. I'm I'm on Sunset right now. I'm heading toward Palisades. Oh, you are. That's it. Usually takes about 15 minutes to get there from this point. You need to get there in five. Okay, so we need to figure that. Jonathan, how can we get him there in five? Maybe by not telling another story, I I could get there a little quicker. Well, you're on Sunset and you're driving. I don't know how telling me telling a story really interferes with that. Well, should I make a left here? I'm. Yeah, you know what. Go faster. Can you go faster? Yeah, I got like I have a lot more numbers left on my odometer I could go by. Yeah, go faster. 70 as it is. Um, How's the traffic? And then I would say, do you have like a navigation system in your car? No, this is a 1973 Beetle. Oh, wow. do you have on your phone maybe? Oh, you're on the phone with us. Uh, I don't know. I think what what Laura's trying to suggest is that maybe um, using something like Waze or Google Map might be helpful. Yeah, or you know what, you know what, I could call the um, I could call the dentist for you and let them know you're going to be late. No, no, don't do that. I've no, been late every time for the last three years, and, and he said if you're ever late again, you're uh, you're no longer my patient. Oh, okay, but the thing is, you're gonna be late. Yeah, that's true. That's the kind of personal promise you get from us that you don't get from these large companies. You're going to be late is our slogan. <laughs> yeah. You can get there from here, but you're going to be late. <laughs> if you could call some dentists and line up a new one for me then. I could do that. You know, my dentist is fantastic. Who is your dentist? Uh, Dr. Hernandez. Um, it's wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I had a dentist who used to give me a uh, laughing gas. Yeah. And it, and I never understood why they called it laughing gas. So I, I asked him, and then I started laughing hysterically. I couldn't stop even before he answered. <laughs> and also, he, he was very unsanitary. He used to drop his tools and wipe them on his pants. <laughs> but he gave me the laughing gas. Yep. Okay. So that makes it, well, you know, you, then you don't care. Like I went, when I was a teenager, I got my wisdom teeth out. The doctor literally said, 
I said, we're, we're going to take out either two or four. First, I'm going to inject you with Valium, and that's going to make you feel like you don't care what happens. And then I'm going to ask you, do you after we do two, I'm going to ask you if you feel okay to do the other two. And I was like, you know, even then I was like, well, of course I'm going to say it's okay. You just told me that I'm not going to care what's happening. That seems like such a mild kind of sedative for that procedure. Kevin, you are the only comedian I know who's familiar with the work of Stanley Myron Handelman. And that's probably something you never heard of, Laura. Am I right? I have not. Yeah. Stanley Myron Handelman was a comedian from the 70s. He uh, influenced me with several other comedians, but he was from Brooklyn or Queens, New York, and he talked like this. And he would say, someone broke into our house. I came home. The table was flipped over. He had ransacked the entire place. Broken windows, broken glasses, doors were broken. Uh, the butter was left out. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and then... I was walking down 53rd Street, and I saw this man, and he was using a stick to walk with. It was just an old bent stick, and he was really struggling. And he came across a genie bottle, and he rubbed the genie bottle, and this genie came out. And the genie said, I will grant you one wish, whatever you want. So he made his wish, and all of a sudden, just like that, his stick turned into a real crutch. <laughs> you know, Kevin, you are surrounded by Jews right now. <laughs> and you are trying to be Jewish to honor your comedian Stanley Myron. I didn't Handelman. say he was Jewish. Everybody in the show has a, a, a you know, a, like a, a, a fake name. That they use. Oh, he could have been. Oh, like yeah, an yeah, Irish yeah. Guy. Yeah. It was O. Handelman. O. Handelman. <laughs> I think my, my dad and his best friend, Arnold Goldstein, had a, a, like a money lending company, but they didn't want to be like Silverman and Goldstein money lenders. So they named the com company Riley, Sullivan, and O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> <laughs> like it actually did that. So, Kevin, not so long ago, you took an interest in <laughs> photography, and um, you discovered that you like to take provocative pictures of your wife, and she and she doesn't seem to mind. No, and, and can can you? Why is that? Well. She'd rather have me do it than some creepy photographer because, you know, she knows I'm not trying to sleep with her, right? <laughs> That's funny. But you know what? I watch, I watch a lot of things on YouTube, and it's amazing how, um, how expert some of these people are because they have YouTube and they watch other people um, – do um do what they're doing like they, these six-year-olds are shredding the guitar or they're they're like 
crazy on the piano. And now I've kind of gotten used to it. I'm kind of not impressed anymore with a six-year-old. If I could see like a two-year-old or maybe a, uh, a baby coming out of the vagina playing a fiddle, I would be impressed. More, more, for, more so for the mother to be able to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it just takes more and more. We're just becoming, you know, numb as a society. Yeah. 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 Hey, Kevin, I know, I know <laughs> we're getting close to the end of this podcast, but I, I wondered if, if you could indulge me and tell one of my jokes, because I have this feeling that you can tell my jokes as well as me, if not better, and vice versa. Um. So this is a joke. I'd love for you to tell it. it it's um, I don't like to beat a dead horse, but it's not the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> so this is a joke that I think you might like. You know, I'm not one to beat a dead horse, but um, occasionally I will. <laughs> <laughs> So much better. And I know I'm not supposed to give away these ideas because somebody who's a little more ambitious than me and energetic will do it. But I don't care. I've had this idea for a long time and I've never done it. But it would be wives or girlfriends or boyfriends of comedians. And they have to get on stage and do their... Uh, you know, her, their boyfriend or husband or wife's act. They always paraphrase jokes. And here is Bobby Lee's wife, her girlfriend, doing his act. Here is Nate Bergazzi's wife doing his act. And, you know, they get it all wrong. And But that's... Yeah, it's a great idea. My wife once did my act uh, and because I had... I was booked for three sets in one night. And the audience had heard my act twice. And they had had enough. So I asked my wife to come up and do it. And she killed, but she has no memory of it. She was just like unconscious. This is another joke of mine that I think you can do better than me, um, or as well as me. I, I had my DNA tested, and it came back negative. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't like to, I don't consider myself a worry wart, but. Um, I did go in, I had my DNA tested, and it came back, I'm afraid to say negative. So I followed up with another call to the uh, lab, <clears throat> and um, they said the negative, but um, my DNA was uh, dyslexic. So I said, my ADN is a lexic? What is it? Jonathan, it looks like you're in a trailer. I'm watching you on uh, Zoom here. I does. <laughs> what do you mean a trailer? Oh, because of because of the walls here. The panel. Yeah, I mean it looks like maybe one of those production uh, trailers. Yeah, a movie. I'm surrounded by old equipment and old. My wife is building a an audio studio for me in my office. All kinds of equipment that's obsolete, but it's beautiful. She loves me. She's building it entirely, entirely with obsolete equipment. Yeah. You know, um, my wife is concerned about me. She was going to get a defibrillator for me. Um, that's how sweet she is. And then she started pricing them 
And then she realized, well, maybe it's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the only thing. The only thing is, I know you talk about forensics in your act. You pardon the expression. I, and this is years ago when, when Telly Savalas was in a show called, was it called Kojak? Was that the name of the show? Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody said, uh, let me call forensics, he answered the phone, and I thought his name was forensics. <laughs> but what, what was your joke about forensics? It had to do with uh, a more contemporary show. Um, I don't remember. Oh, maybe one of these NCIS shows. Okay, you can use mine again. I never watched NCI. Is it NCIS or NCI? NC, NCIS. But any of those shows, I know they're very popular and they've been on forever, but I don't know who watches them. Because I never saw The West Wing. I never saw Wire or The Wire. <laughs> what do they call the thing when they send out um, sort of a notification about the type of part it is that they're looking for? A breakdown. Breakdown, yeah. So I was, I was always in, uh, sent, got calls on breakdowns about fe- effeminate males. Okay. And I got a an audition for a show that Richard Lewis was doing with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, a sitcom. Mm-hmm. And I could, I was so fucking nervous I couldn't speak, and she sat on my lap. Just to make me comfortable. And I still didn't get the part. (laughs) Good story. Wait, what? Is that the young... Kevin, whose caricature is that? That's amazing, by the way. Uh, Who? Eddie Vedder. Right, yeah. Who? I knew that. And who is that woman over your... Behind you? That is... um, This one? Jennifer yeah. Aniston. Oh my God! You're right. Those are think. amazing. Tell them my book, Jonathan, and the book is called "I Exaggerate: My Brushes with Fame." And what I do is, um, you know, I do paintings of um, caricatures of celebrities, and a lot of them I know. So I, I put a little anecdote on the opposite page, talking about my experience or that my description of that person, and. Right. Been doing a been like four years. I just started before the pandemic because I knew it was coming, and uh, <laughs> that was your idea, wasn't it? You got to get a jump on your skill. You got to like go to some cl- uh, in person classes before you're on your own. I wanted to be a a, a caricature uh, painting class, so they'd have to find somebody. I guess who was really deformed or. Um, uh, <laughs> Has some weird body parts. Well, it seems like that would be your responsibility to create those body parts. Well, it would be easy. They already had a long neck, you know? Oh, yeah. Who's an actress with, oh, not an actress, Rachel Maddow has a very long neck, doesn't she? Yes. Um, you know who else has a long neck? Tilda Swinton. Yes. And you know who has the longest neck? 
Giraffes. <laughs> hey, Kevin, you have one joke in your act about your son, which is so much like an act. I have a, a joke I have in my act about my daughter. I'm going to tell you my version and see if you want to tell your version. Uh, my daughter once couldn't go to sleep. She had trouble sleeping one night. And it's because I made the mistake of letting her watch a commercial about the Jonestown Massacre, about a, a, a TV movie about the Jonestown Massacre. And she said, Daddy, how can, how can grownups kill hundreds of kids? I don't, I don't get it. And I said, well, well, sweetie, sometimes adults like to give their children lethal doses of Kool-Aid. Good night, sweetie. <laughs> Good kid, light sleeper. And you have a very similar joke. Well, can I first say that, um, you know, about the laughing gas? I think that's very effective because I had a procedure recently where they used laughing gas. I thought, really, is that going to numb me up enough? Really, it, it really does make you not care about anything. Yeah. And But I was wondering, uh, you know how people have a courtesy laugh? <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. You could have a courtesy laughing gas. Courtesy laughing gas. <laughs> <laughs> All the success you've had in this business and in any business, courtesy laughing gas is a thing that's going to put you over the top. You're going to blow up. I think so. I, you know, I've been around for a while, Jonathan. And when I was seven, I had my appendix removed. And uh, I lived in Germany, and I was seven. And back then, they didn't have laughing gas. They didn't have all of the um, anesthesia that they have now. So what they did when they operated on you is they put, like, a face mask over you with ether. Right. And I still remember the smell of that ether putting me out. And then I woke up later that day or whenever... I was on a bed in a room that was coated with, uh, they had newspapers under me to kind of soak up any kind of, <laughs> uh, it's from the wound. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have a lot of experience with, uh, with laughing gas and that stuff that I like the most is they give you the propofol or the, um, Xanax and they're wheeling you to the operating room. Mm. I think you're like the funniest person in the world. <laughs> And all the doctors were in there in their green scrubs and getting their tools together. And I thought this was a funny line. I said, do you guys work here? That's <laughs> <laughs> <is> funny. <laughs> I expected them to come to my room the next morning and just talk about that line and how funny it was. That was so funny. The way you, I mean, we didn't even expect that. And you just dropped that bomb on us, and we laughed through the whole surgery. Oh, my God. Uh, and and uh, w w would you come back and just do that bit for the next uh, patient? But, you know, they don't do that. They don't say that. Yeah. Uh, they're very unimpressed. They take their work very seriously, doctors. They do. I will tell you this about, about your teeth. Uh, it, healthy teeth has a lot to do with, with your a healthy heart. That's true. That is true. Yeah. It's true and yet boring. Yeah. 
You know, you know what said it? Heart disease is still the number one killer in this country. Really? After all, all these years, and and they say that the main cause of heart disease is, is stress. And and that's said because that's something that we inflict on ourselves. I I, uh, I bought a quart of milk yesterday, and it says must sell by December eighth. Yeah, I don't need that kind of pressure. No, <laughs> I'm on the phone all day trying to unload the milk. <laughs> that's such an old joke. I'm ashamed. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what kind of gets me is when you go into a public restroom at a restaurant. And there's a sign uh, on the wall that goes, employees must wash their hands. Right? <laughs> it's like, is it an off- offering an ex- explanation of why the hands are so clean? Yeah. <laughs> employees must wash their hands. I mean, because they work here. And they've got to be clean. You know? <laughs> right. Customers, it's optional. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's another thing about expiration dates is um, the pressure that's put on you. You're right. A lot of things cause stress. Like, uh, only you can prevent forest fires. A lot of stress. Yeah. Can I get some help from somebody? I know. It's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Kevin, what was the first joke you told on stage? Um. One of the first ones, yeah. The first joke I uh, I did was um, I was following behind a uh, a meat truck on the freeway, and it it uh, went off the road and it flipped over. I thought it was just dead bodies everywhere, <laughs> so I started doing CPR to a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, uh, uh, and I actually brought one of the cows back to life. <laughs> God, that's, that's such an emotional joke. Do you have a worst introduction that you ever got when you were performing? Yeah. Well, I actually put an MC out of work because he said that I need no introduction. And I thought, this guy's right. So from then on, I never had an MC. <laughs> music plays a little bit. It's about 10 seconds of nothing. And the music starts up, and I just kind of walk out there, kind of shuffle out there like a jazz musician, because I need no introduction. <laughs> My worst introduction, I was in St. Louis, and... Uh, the MC gets on stage and says to the audience, who wants to fuck? And apparently many people in the audience did. And there was no way to follow that. You know, it really couldn't. No. There's some things you can't follow. I had a rat on stage uh, when I was performing once. Huge rat. It was in San Francisco, and the audience dropped their forks. They couldn't believe it. I turned, and I see it. It looked like a purebred rat. It was brown, and it just ran into the crowd, and they were all jumping up on their seats. And some people thought that was actually my prop, that I'd bring that rat with me wherever I go. <laughs> Lord, isn't this what you're saying? Stranger than fiction. No. Um, Kevin, I, 
I know that you're a member of PETA and you've been a vegetarian for a long time. Is that true? Well, true. Partially true. Uh, I've been um, helping PETA out for a long time. But I'm not a vegetarian per se. I was a vegetarian for 38 years. And okay. then my wife got pregnant. She, um, she was also vegetarian, um, but not as long as me. She had a craving for fish, for protein. She just didn't know how to get protein from plant-based foods. So she said she felt like she could swim through the ocean with her mouth open just to get fish. (laughs) (laughs) So eating salmon, and that opened up the whole, uh, and then all of a sudden I'm eating tartar sauce. You know what I mean? And (laughs) (laughs) And baked potatoes with it. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm a pescatarian now. Oh, okay. Well, that's, I think that's okay. I, I think that you can be forgiven. I can't imagine having an, uh, like a, an overwhelming craving for fish. I mean, if you're going to have that, a craving, like make it for like a burger or something. Fish is just, I don't, I don't know. Fish? I don't, I don't, I don't like, my, my husband, he's from India and he, he eats the whole fish. And his favorite part is the brains and the eyeball. That's disgusting, right? Yeah. But not, we can't say it's disgusting because that's, you know, it's a cultural thing. Take a break. We'll be right back. Today we heard the voices of Wendy Liebman, Kevin Nealon, and my extraordinary co-host, Laura Silverman. Music for today's episode was written by Mike Shapiro, Billy Novick, and Guy Van Duzer. The episode was edited and mastered by Bryce Kanzer and produced by Dana Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share. You don't have to do it in that order. Links and more information are available at jonathancats.com. I'm Jonathan Katz, and thank you so much for listening.